I'm Rachel Moore, President and CEO of the Music Center in Los Angeles. Thank you for tuning into our podcast series, Offstage and Unbound. As a former dancer for American Ballet Theater, I had the opportunity to dance in many Nutcracker performances. And I'm particularly excited about the upcoming world premiere of the Music Center's new George Balanchine's The Nutcracker by Miami City Ballet. This performance will be at the Music Center's Dorothy Chandler Pavilion from December 7th through December 10th. It is a joy to bring our audiences this production, which will feature the classic Balanchine choreography, live orchestra, and all-new costumes and set designs by Cuban-American fashion and design power couple Isabel and Ruben Toledo. Plus, to make this production even more special, we have worked with the Colburn School and the Gabriella Foundation's Everybody Dance program to feature student dancers in this production, along with live vocals from the Los Angeles Children's Chorus. In today's episode, we will speak with Ruben and Isabel Toledo. Together, this team created a Nutcracker performance filled with whimsy and the joy of the holidays. Isabel and Ruben, welcome to Off Stage and Unbound. Thank you so much for joining us. It's our pleasure. Our pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So, we're so excited about this version of George Balanchine's The Nutcracker. So to start, were you acquainted with dance, ballet, before this whole project started? Okay, I'd like to first say we're even more excited than you are. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. I've been invited. Uh, We're we're so honored uh, to be part of the Nutcracker family tree. It's such a great tradition. So, yeah, so as far as dance and ballet, I have to say for me it was uh, the first, you know, full diving in immersion of of ballet in this way. Um, uh, It's a fascinating world. I learned so much. But, of course, as Cubans, we're we're very comfortable around dance and and body language and all this. I have to say I dance all day around the house, even, even if it's not ballet. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> so um, I think I'm dancing ballet, but it actually isn't. It's well, such a great. Pro- what's what's incredible about it is that that it's such a, a focused and precision. Everything has to be so precise. Yet it's it's a it's a live poetry. It's such a great way of of communicating. It's perfect body language, especially coming from a fashion designer. It's almost a gift because they make the most beautiful line that only designers want to de- to actually dress it. It's very, very special. Yes, yeah, it's, it's interesting how uh, the, the, it's, it's the one place where elegance is, is not a dirty word. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's something you strive for. And, and of course, traditionally in, in uh, fashion, uh, it's all about trying to strike an elegant pose, right? Trying to be elegant. So, so it's such a, a, a direct link to ballet and fashion. So how did this collaboration come together? Did Lourdes Lopez, uh, who's the artistic director of Miami City Ballet, call you? Or how did you get connected in with this project? Uh, Lourdes did call us and, and mentioned that she wanted to, she was working on a new production for, for the Nutcracker. And um, would we be interested? So, of course, we were completely uh, thrilled and overwhelmed. Um, also, we kind of dove in head first without thinking, and then, of course, uh, realized how, what a large production it is, how many moving parts, how many details, how many people in the cast. 
and that became a bit overwhelming. But yeah, uh, we totally trust Lourdes in 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 uh, bringing us in. I always say she's very brave. She just <laughs> brought us the project and said, "I trust that you're going to do an amazing job, and I'm just going to put you in touch with the foundation so they can go through the whole process with you." Which I thought was really special because that was our first first learning period. I think we got exposure to the original original costumes, the whole production. Uh, I mean. It, Backstage, actually, everybody was so incredible here in uh, New York City showing us all the parts, all the moving parts, all the sets, all the costumes. We really dove in quick and absorbed so much so that we can go back and now recreate how, what the feeling we got from that first meeting. That's true. It was about this time last year. It was just the beginning of the holiday season, and we went to see uh, the production with Lourdes here in New York. And, and took that backstage tour. Actually, I think it was really important to go see the production with Lourdes because the emotion that she was putting out was so special and so powerful that all I could think of was, how do I, how do I carry that off? How do I capture that same feeling that she is putting out? I have to make sure that a, a whole new generation of, of people watching or children dancing have that same reaction to the, to the love they have for the Nutcracker. It, it was really eye-opening for me to know, okay, this is the guiding light. Yeah, since Lourdes danced in, in, with Mr. Balanchine and, and was in many a Nutcracker, doing many roles, uh, to get a first-hand account of the, the whole procedure and the whole uh, immersion into that world from her was really valuable. Very helpful, yeah. Well, I think that it's really great... Um, this production was originally created in 1954 with uh, New York City Ballet and Mr. Balanchine. And, of course, Lourdes is a former uh, principal dancer with New York City Ballet. Um, I'm sure she danced hundreds of versions. I think it's thrilling that you got to go see the production in Lincoln Center of New York City Ballet. Because there's been many offshoots of this production, but that is sort of the um, ground zero of Balanchine's Nutcracker. Absolutely, it's 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 like going to Mecca. That's the one where where it all comes from, right? That's like the Holy Grail there. Right, um, right. It's, and you really feel it. You feel it from everyone involved, from the backstage to the performers to the Balanchine Trust to the audience to the audience. Exactly. There's like a real there's a real language that goes on back and forth, and and how special this is, and how how precious it is for them. Well, aren't the um, costumes they're doing at New York City Ballet, uh, the Karinska, they're still using those uh, original designs from... The... Yes, absolutely. Um, they're, they're, they're still loyal to that. And, of course, that's who created this, along with Mr. Valentin. They were great collaborators, um, Karinska and, and Ruben Atunian, the, the set designer. They had such an incredible... That, that was like a beautiful triangle of, of collaboration. Um, and it's so, it's as, as a, when an art, form, art piece is so perfectly conceived and so perfectly put together, it's easy to keep interpreting for many, many years because it's so full of content. There's so many angles to explore. Yeah, the template is there for you. You just have to give your own emotion and also the, part, the time in history that, that you're living in. So you add that other, uh, that other uh, uh, addition to, to the time. And I hope that... For me, it was a dialogue with Karinska, I have to admit, because I really wanted to pay homage and give it another angle as far as from, you know, uh, from me and also the fact that this is going to Miami. That was important to both of us, that it had a certain, a certain aura that, that says, now this is the nutcracker of, Miami, uh, of the Miami Ballet. 
So it was, it was interesting. When you're looking at this, did you think about the palette relative to where, you know, Miami and Florida? Did that inform Absolutely, the absolutely. Choices? I think um, Isabel's such a great colorist. She's such a great painter with, with cloth. Tom and, Rubin is. No, <laughs> uh, I recognize that. You know, it's, it's, she's such a great painter and, and interprets and speaks through colors, very much like Karinska did. They are artists of cloth, artists of textiles. And, and so much is said through the colors and the coloration, and it's a really emotional experience. But particularly looking at it through eyes, first of all, we're Cubans, and um, looking at it through the eyes of, of where this will live in Miami, uh, it's a beautiful ocean city. And it's all international nowadays, which is really amazing, because you get people from all over the world, from Russia, from everywhere, actually, Brazil. So it's, it's, it's a great thing to have all those eyes from all these different places looking at your work and feeling everybody hopefully the same emotion that is based on my on Miami aesthetic as well. Exactly. The fact that Miami is such an incredible architectural city, it's so, it's so design-driven that they're so in tune to design and through architecture, through furniture, through clothes. Um, but the, the particular language of Miami being Art Deco architecture, and, of course, just being there and those incredible sunsets, those in the incredible lighting that, that bounces off of the ocean and onto the sky, all those, all those incredible sherbet-colored sunups and sundowns, they're, they're, hopefully we pour all that into this production of The Nutcracker. Yeah, our winter's still warm, <laughs> warm right. in, in the sky. Los Angeles, similar to Miami, is surrounded by water, and so I think that will resonate with uh, the L.A. community as well. Absolutely. It's such uh, L.A. to us also, or California, period, it's such an outdoor place. The way Miami to us is an outdoor place. You want to be outdoors. You want to eat outdoors. You want to be outdoors even when it gets chilly at night. You just enjoy so much the outside. That, that to, to us, California also has always meant that. There's yeah. an outdoor culture, an outdoor living. Yeah, and what we get from Miami, the, the, the blue of the ocean, you also, in, in California, you do get the ocean, but you also get the sand. You get that reflection of the light of the sand, which I think is very important as well. Yeah. So, you know, um, prior to my coming to the Music Center, I was with American Ballet Theater for a long time, and we would commission um, designers to do uh, costumes. And one of the challenges that I've uh, certainly seen, experienced is, it's one thing to design for uh, the human body that walks down a runway and another thing to design for the human body that has to be twirling, jumping, lifted. Um, what was that process for you, sort of technical pieces of the costumes? Well, for me, being able to dress a dancer is a gift because the most important thing for me is the body language of a person, the movement, what the fabric is going to do on this person. And a dancer brings it to life more than anyone else I've ever seen because they, they actually move the fabric around, unlike a designer, uh, sorry, a, um, a model that stands and, and poses. The dancer moves your cloth. They move the lines. They create the lines that are in the garments. And when you, you know, it's a dialogue. They have mobility. They're constantly in motion, and that's, that's a gift for me when I create a, a certain amount of fabric or it, it just, I don't know, it's just such a, it's a plus, in fact. Yeah, I, Isabel loves the, the, first of all, she loves gravity. Right. She loves uh, well, bodies in motion. She loves the way fabric moves around the body. She loves the sound of fabric. Right, yeah, you're right. She, yeah, yeah. she was really keen on making sure that certain fabrics like taffeta, the way they swish and rustle, 
on the dance floor. That really uh, gives them a sense of motion. Actually, that was part of the, when I was creating chocolate, that was one of the most important things for me. I knew chocolate always, you think of that thickness and that pouring uh, heaviness, and yet the dancers always want to have it be light. So I kept thinking, yes, taffeta, but taffeta then doesn't have that, that weight. So I, I came up with a certain kind of what I call a rock chocolate, uh -huh. which is a very rocky-looking taffeta construction that still has the, 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 you know, that movement, that swish, that, that weight that the dancer then can express the dance and the power of the cloth. So, I mean, it, it's been a great dialogue being able to dress the dancers. But the funny thing was, we had a, a weight. Uh, yeah. There was a weight in the workroom while we were working. Isabel would weigh every single uh, uh, thing that we were just about to cut. So it was weighed like potatoes and onions and, and, uh, <laughs> and carrots. Everything had to stay very, very light. Um, so everything was considered while we were cutting it and sewing it. Now, now how much does it weigh to make sure that it was still an, a, a very light, lightweight thing? Well, even adding ruffles. When you think of ruffles, you're, you're gathering all this fabric. So you know that that's going to add weight. And especially that I was creating a lot of the first, uh, the first act. So those layers are very thick and, and, and warm. And so I wanted to make sure that I kept even that area light. Even if there's not as much movement, one of the things that all dancers always tell you is that the cloth, that the garments are always very heavy. So right. I just kept that in my mind as I was doing the whole project, giving them that gift of uh, weightlessness. Right, right. So was the tutu of, I mean, that's a very complicated costume. <laughs> right, right. Oh, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a science to the tutus that are quite incredible. And there are, there are great uh, people that construct tutus specifically to the way that it's always been done, which I think it's incredibly beautiful because it's a tradition. Yep. And everybody knows what it, what it is. And it's then all about the right coloration, the choice of fabric. You add then those nuances, but the science is already there. Right. Yeah, tutu is a, such a specialized thing. That's like going to a glove maker or a shoemaker. It's a specific thing. It's not just a dress or a garment. It's, yeah. it's so specific that it's, it's, it is a science. Yes, yes. So there's about 60 children in the production, and when one does these types of things, you have to have... Um, the ability to adjust for different sizes and heights of kids, was that a daunting task to have to have something that was, you know, you didn't get to fit it to a certain dancer? You had to have it much more flexible? Well, that's, uh, that's, what, that's where good design comes in. Uh, uh, you always have to think of those that, that kind of flexibility and that kind of diversity in, in bodies and shapes, right? So you almost instantly are designing uh, in a trouble, troubleshooting way where, where it could be, moldable to many different body types. Actually, it wasn't only for the children, even for the cast itself, there's not only one dancer wearing that one costume. They do have different girls wearing, different men wearing them. So you, you take that into account and you, you figure out the smartest way to hide the, the, the give and take. And, and, and usually what I did a lot, especially with length, and especially in the period that we chose, was adding in tucks that become part of the garments but can be taken up or down. Because during this time as well, people, fabric was very precious, so no one cut much uh, of the fabric. They didn't tailor it as much yet. So I keep, it's almost like you're starting with one, one piece of cloth and you try to take it in in many different ways but keeping always the, the same amount of fabric. So it was an interesting thing to be able to do this for this particular uh, production because it's something I love.
it there's a you know it's 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 also a science having to be constrained to having one piece of fabric and now shape it and mold it and get in in certain places that it can also then be uh, adjusted to somebody else. The way it used to be in history, you wore your mother's pieces or, you know, it, it went down into different sizes eventually. Hmm. And when I worked at the Met, actually, that was one of the things that I loved. When I would look at the inside of the garments, you can see the different uh, seams, how many times they've been opened and closed for different people. Right, and and these costumes last a long time. Um, you oh, know, yes. You can have the same tutu being worn by somebody for 20 years, so correct, different correct. generations of dancers. Yeah. Also, it, I have to say, I, I have to give homage to the people that constantly maintain those costumes, because when we went to visit, I was impressed how well-kept everything is. And, you know, there, there's, there's a love there as well, because they, they go through a lot of stress, and yet... Right. They are maintained so beautifully. Right. So in terms of the uh, sets, one of the great moments in this production is the Christmas tree. What were your thoughts about that discussion of how to do it, what to do, you know, to make it magical? Oh, yeah, that was a, that was big. And we had a lot of creative fights over that one. because, <laughs> Of course, we want it to be to want it to be more magical than you can ever possibly engineer it. But it has to be engineered somehow. Right. So that was the give and take. Um, and funny enough, it reflects that also this period that were that it's Nutcracker is based in because it was so much about uh, art and science together. It's a time where, where a lot of innovations and and breakthroughs in science and in technology are happening back in the 1820s, but we're, we're using it on, as parlor tricks to entertain people, right? Um, that's, it, it was a beautiful starting point, so we, I wanted to make tr- the tree part of that illusion of that time, what, what they were doing with magic lanterns and, and uh, shadow puppets on the wall and magnifying glasses, and they, they were, this was part of, of everyday life back in the 1820s and 30s and 40s, um, I, I, we wanted to put that magic back in, so it's a kind of realistic magic, right? So, so you'll see. Well, the interesting thing I, I felt is that you ended up with a, at the end, it's a very pop moment, which really brings it to today. Which yeah. I thought that was wonderful. Yeah, when the final tree grows, I wanted it to feel very, very pop, almost like a, a, a pop image of, of, of a giant tree and, and how the children are now, they seem to have shrunk like little Alice in Wonderland, and they're the mm. size of, of toys, or the toys are their size. They can almost enter the Christmas tree. So that's the effect and the feeling I wanted to give. It was interesting because you played a lot with scale because even in the, the doorway for Marie to stand in front of, all that has a different scale than real life. He used it. You, you made it larger, I believe, right? Well, I think when, when we're children and we remember being children at, at, our, at our family get-togethers or your grandmother's house, you always remember things much bigger than they really were. So I, I wanted the set to reflect that slightly, even from the beginning. Things are just a little bit off scale, a little bit larger than they should be. Um, the, you know, the sofas are bigger, the, the windows are more gigantic. That way the snow can be whiter and colder and, and all of that. You know, it's a bit exaggerated because that's what our imaginations do when you recall a past that you love. So the second act is, um, you know, a real change from the first act, and you have all these divertissements that are attached to very specific, not just time period, but uh, uh, cultural backgrounds. How did you balance all of that? Yeah, that was really important to us, too. I mean, that, it's part of this tradition, right? The first act is so home and hearth and warm and incubating and comfort, comfortable and, and familiar, 
And then the second act is, is almost like this very wonderful uh, mind trip that this child is taking Marie into, the, into her future. And it's, it's a totally, she's entering the world, right? So she's experiencing world culture. It's almost like one of the first global art pieces, this Nutcracker, because it's introducing through a child's vision of the wider world outside. You're, you're tasting uh, Arabian coffee. You're tasting Spanish hot chocolate. You're having Chinese tea. You're kind of traveling through the world and experiencing the incredible diversity that's out there waiting to, to, to attract you. Um, I love that she's dreaming of this already. So it's a child's version of, of, of the, the great big world. We wanted to create that contrast, even in colors. And um, uh, again, the, the first act is so warm and, and, and incubated and nurturing. And the second one, the second act is so adventurous and almost like a child in Playland. That's why it's Candyland. Right. Everything is taken from the child's point of view. You know, the wonderful thing about Nutcracker, we in the business sort of jokingly refer to it as a gateway ballet. It is the first ballet that most people see and are swept up in. And, um, you know, we're very excited about having it here in Los Angeles because I think that we'll be introducing this glorious piece to a new generation of audience members and hopefully future dancers. Um, when you think about this production, is there any specific thoughts on legacy or what do you want people to take away from this production? Well, uh, you know, we both take the, uh, what we do very seriously. We take design very seriously. When you, when you design something, when you, your artwork, your, 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 their graphic symbols, you're putting these messages out into the world. People are taking in your message, so we take that really seriously. So we hope they take the idea of, of joy and creativity and, and opening your mind and entering. Everyone has, has the, everyone's born an artist. Everyone is born creative. We, we somehow you know, get, get diverted and, 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 um, and somehow shut down a little bit because of that. So we hopefully, this helps you to reopen that gate and make sure you stay there, right? You want to like, be able to explore always your creativity. So we hope that, that this lends a, um, a key to that. I, yeah, it's funny because I always, in my creation, I don't think I ever create anything that isn't forever because the joy that I put into it, I think, will live forever. And, I, and that's something that I, I think most people, well, I, we hope that most people feel the love and the joy that we, we put and we had making this, this production. Yeah, there's a sense of timelessness. Right. And there's a sense of timelessness to the imagination. Anything is possible. So we hope that that's, the, that's one of the biggest legacies, that you, you feel that anything is possible and that you could soar as, as, as high and as wide as you possibly can. I just want to really touch on the next tradition, that the next group of, of, uh, of kids that are going to feel that this is a tradition for them. I would, be, I would be honored to think that children in the future will be remembering this nutcracker done by us through the balance sheet. I mean, it's, it's so special to be wound up in, in such a beautiful history. Yeah, I think that's one of the gifts of being an artist. We, we get people coming up to us all the time. And whether it's through Isabel's clothes or my drawings or paintings or animation, they'll tell us, they'll tell us at this point, I grew up with your artwork. I grew up looking at your, 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 your work in magazines. I grew up um, reading your comic books. I grew up uh, looking at uh, a dress of Isabel's in a, in a magazine. So that's, a, that's an incredible, humbling gift to know that you've affected someone. You've affected them and you, you, 
help them hopefully to soar higher. And this is on a bigger scale because this is now really getting to a whole new generation. I think this is amazing. Yeah, and it's it's such a the way we're doing it. I hope is is uh and it, it's clear to see that it's a it's it's done in a very diverse way. It's very welcoming. It's very welcoming to to anyone from anywhere, at any age, in fact. So I, I hope that's the key. Well, because in a way that this is all about travel, it's about travel. In a way, it, it talks a lot about travel, and also it travels in your mind because she's dreaming. She's also in transition to becoming a, a, a young girl now. So it, even, even Marie, we understand her being a special girl that has big dreams and that she's not like the other little girl. She's a little bit, her mind is already, uh, I don't know, more, but she's an artist, she's for an sure. Artist. She's yes, an artist. She's, she's a she's thinker. Artist. She's a feeler, and I think she's 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 open to creation. Which a lot, I believe, a lot of little girls and and young boys that go and see this see themselves in in that moment. Yeah, I dream like that. Yeah, I have those dreams. <laughs> I think this way. I'm I am not like everybody else. I think that's it's powerful. Well, it speaks to everyone's yeah. individuality, right? I right, think it's, right. um, you know, we, we, America is so much about individualism, and that's what makes us so strong and great. Everyone is an individual. We all have our different paths, how we got here, oh, yeah. but we share this path, right? So I think that's... And now we're going to share the violin machine production of the Nutcracker. Well, I've got to say, there's no question that the joy that you have for this production um, just sings out. And I'm sure that everybody who sees it will be wrapped up in the beauty that you're creating. I want to thank you so much for, A, delving into the artistic world of dance, because uh, it's obviously very special to me, and I really think it is one of the great art forms. And we can't wait to see you guys in a few weeks um, when we have the world premiere, because I think it's going to be a huge gift to not just Los Angeles and Miami, but to the country. So thank you uh, so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you for saying much. that. We're humble. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Music Center's podcast series, Offstage and Unbound. For more information about our dance series, Gloria Kaufman Presents Dance at the Music Center, please visit our website at musiccenter.org. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe to our podcast series on iTunes. Until next time, I'm Rachel Moore.